Warning, the following podcast may contain potential plot spoilers, but then again, it may not at all. Hello and welcome to Potential Spoilers. I'm Kieran and I'm joined by our man in Hollywood, Matty D. And being a police detective pays so well, Kieran, pays so well that you can afford a luxurious LA apartment with a rooftop observing the city. Or a Miami apartment. <laughs> or Miami, either either. And if you didn't want to know that, then you shouldn't be listening to the show because that is a spoiler. It certainly is because what we do on this show is we look at all the promotional material for upcoming Hollywood blockbusters, then we attempt to predict as much of the plots of those blockbusters as humanly possible, and then when the movie comes out, we go and see it and see how close we got to the actual plot. And this week we're talking about the third instalment in the Bad Boys franchise, Bad Boys for Life. Yes, and what looks like to be, spoilers, the final um, installment of yeah, the Bad Boys franchise. Yeah, we'll see. I suppose we'll discuss it throughout the episode. I don't know if they really wrapped everything up. I think we presumed it would be the final installment. I mean, you definitely presumed it would be the final installment in your plot. We'll talk about it. But yeah, <laughs> I'm not entirely convinced that this is the final installment myself. You think they'll do another one where they're even older and... Yeah, fingers crossed. Yes, it's going to be like that Shaft movie where they had all three Shaft actors in one movie. (laughs) Like Richard Roundtree and Samuel Jackson and another forgettable guy. Before I forget, I should point this out as well. If you want to put one of our previous predictions to the test, you currently can because in cinemas right now, if you can get to them, we've got Free Guy, which is a movie we predicted, oh, geez, like a year and a half ago. So long ago. So many months ago. It's finally come out, the Ryan Reynolds video game movie. And a movie that we didn't predict that long ago, Don't Breathe 2. Both of those are currently in cinemas. You can go and have a double feature. Yes, and we actually covered Don't Breathe 2 as well. So, yeah, that's right. Have a listen to those episodes. Maybe like two episodes ago. <laughs> I'm actually really excited to see which one of us is closer with that one because we both had pretty strong theories. Mm. We both sort of branched off in different directions for that plot too. Similar to this plot that we're covering today. Yes, yes. Well... Why God did I forget everything we said in this yeah, episode? Yeah, me too. I completely forgot about this movie. This was a movie that I saw in the cinemas and did completely really? forgot almost every plot point except for like one major one that we didn't predict. How was the cinematic experience? Uh, it was basically me and maybe like two other people in the cinema. So, it was <laughs> it was very quiet. It might as well have Will been Smith a private screening. Yes, it was Will Smith and Martin Lawrence sitting in the front row like cheering and pointing at themselves on the screen. <laughs> And me up the back with my arms folded, like throwing popcorn at them. (laughs) We're so good in this movie. Well, I'll actually hold my opinions of this movie until the very end, because something we say over and over again is this isn't necessarily a review of Bad Boys for Life. What we really do in these episodes is just look at what we said way back in our original recording and compare that to what happens in the movie. So we're not going to go over the plot beat by beat, but something that we do like to do is just give our opinions on the film overall. We like to finally vent and air our frustrations overall or our enjoyment of the film overall once we're done. Because we find if we don't do it, it just bursts out of us naturally. You know, it almost explodes. So I think it's better that we do it at the end. When we originally started doing the show, we were like, oh, our opinions don't matter. Let's try not to include our opinions in this show because, you know, the audience isn't there for that. I think the audience is there for that now. They really want to know what we think of these movies that we predicted. (laughs) Because sometimes we predict that they'll be bad. Sometimes we'll predict that they'll be good. Uh, and when they're the opposite of what we expect, I, I think people need to know about that. We've got to give them their dues if they surprise us. Yeah, exactly. So, let's talk about Bad Boys for Life. Matty D, how much money do you think this movie made in the worldwide box office? I, I think it did okay. I, I would guess um, around the 30 mil. $30 million? Dollars. Yes. Well, let me just tell you, it had a, a budget of $90 million. <laughs> 
I, I'm going to stand by my guess. So you reckon it was a huge flop and a failure at yes. $30 million? Yes. So you reckon it was like <laughs> Charlie's Angels level flop? All right, all right, all right. Maybe $50 million. $50 million. Okay, still a failure if it's against a $90 million budget. Well, Matty D- I can't see this doing well. Matty D, would it surprise you to know that this movie made a worldwide total of $424.6 million, which means it was the highest grossing movie in the entire Bad Boys trilogy, and it was really? the fourth highest grossing movie of 2020. Well... <laughs> It was actually the highest grossing US release in 2020. There you go. But I mean, like, it was 2020. There was not a whole lot of movies coming out there. I mean, there was, but you know. Well, this came out pre-COVID, so. Ah, uh, there you go. You keep forgetting that. Not every, COVID wasn't a thing all throughout 2020. This is still early days. This is still like January 2020 at this point. It's not until we get to talking about Bloodshot that <laughs> COVID was really starting to impact the box office. Yeah. Well, Bloodshot was before COVID, wasn't it? No, it was right as COVID hit. Ah, uh, Okay. That's where that movie flopped. Yeah, that's what they like to think anyway. <laughs> so it did well. Yeah, it did very well. Like I said, fourth highest grossing movie of 2020 and the highest grossing US release, I believe. Well, there you go. It even beat Tenet. That's incredible, actually. Yeah. Well, I, Tenet I came out Tenet. during COVID, so. Right. All right, let's see how well we did. I believe I went first in the episode, so I want to hear you the did. damage straight away. I was listening <laughs> back to my prediction. I was like, oh, boy. Because I was watching the movie and I was like, I think I, I think I got pretty close to this one. And then I listened back and I was like, oh, hang on. Dude, when I, I watched the movie first for this prediction and I was like, yeah, yeah me too. Okay, this, this makes sense. We probably got really close. I completely, I've completely forgot what we actually said. Yeah. And then when I came back and listened to it, I was like, oh my God, did we not get this? Yeah. Not one <laughs> of least- our best efforts and we'll find out how badly we'll did right now, I suppose. <laughs> but let's talk about what you said because you said the movie was going to open up cold with a Romanian mob boss, which is our Armando Amas doing some evil things. Yep, which isn't his name, by the way. Can we just say this right off the bat? Yeah. All the names of the characters- With the exception of the pre-existing characters, like yeah. Marcus, Mike, and Captain we're, Howard. Were all different to what was released in the promotional yes. material. this happens so to us all the time. So, there was no Cake Boy. No. Um, I don't believe Mayo was called something different. We'll like, talk about it. We'll talk about it when we talk about Ammo. Don't worry about that. But in any respect, the character that you indicated is- so In the actual movie, Armando's name is Armando Aretas. Mm. Aretas. They say it differently all throughout the movie. So, they either say Aretas, Aretas, and it's not Amas. Yeah. But, you know, I kind of- We know who you're talking about. Yeah, You're talking right. about the, the guy that was presented as the bad guy. It's not my cameras. fault that I got the names wrong. It wasn't my <laughs> fault. I blame the internet. <laughs> no. So, it's a staple of the franchise that the- that we start with the bad guy doing something, you know, dastardly, and mm-hmm. he, and he shows that he has his his eyes set on Mike Lowry. So you said that he was going to kill someone innocent in cold blood and stab a picture of Mike. And I give you two sets of two points because we do see this very early on. We see him do something really dastardly, and we see that he has a vendetta against Mike Lowry. Well, he does stab a man in the throat. He's not an innocent man, though. He is a drug dealer. But he does stab another drug dealer in the throat just to assert dominance. And then he brings up a picture of Mike Lowry on his phone, I believe. He doesn't stab his phone. But, yeah, he does bring up a picture (laughs) to sort of glare at it. Yeah. Well, I guess it's to show how ruthless he is, which is what you were getting at. So, I'll give you two sets of two points for that. Fair enough. You said that uh, Mike and Marcus pull up in a mall in a Porsche. um, And they're trying to search for some informants in the mall. And the person they're looking for is Manny the Butcher. Uh, Manny the Butcher is going to be somebody who's who looks intimidating but is a big softy. Yep. And Manny tries to run and steals a car that, that turns into a car chase. Now, I'll give you half a point because this does not play out as it pertains no. to them. 
but there is a scene where they kind of interrogate Manny, so I'll give you half a point for that. Yeah. And I'll give you two points because your description of Manny is accurate. He's like a big-looking rough guy, but he's actually a pushover. Yeah, exactly, especially when he's handcuffed to a butcher's table. <laughs> That's right. And who would have thought that Manny the Butcher wasn't like a crime name? It was just like an actual butcher. He was literally a butcher, but he was a criminal too. <laughs> he does, yeah. The, the butchery was a front. Yeah. Mike and Marcus whip around Miami in the Porsche. So, this is a car chase. They're driving through the mall. They're both mm-hmm. bickering. Um, they're both a little gray around the temples is what you described. They're getting yep. older. A little gray and around Marcus- the goatees, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And Marcus accuses Mike of having a midlife crisis. I give you one point for the car chase. That does happen. And one point for the whole midlife crisis angle. That's something that's played in. But we kind of knew that from the promotional material and also from the trailer as well. So, during this car chase, they're chased by police and you kind of thought that maybe the police would know that they were, you know, police officers. So, they're just chasing them. They wouldn't recognize them as undercover officers or something like that. Yeah. So, they eventually catch up with Manny but cause a lot of damage in their wake. And I'll give you one point for that because this does happen in the movie but not in the way that you- No. Thought it would, but I thought it was enough to give you a point for. No, something that will pop up time and time again this episode is we were continually sort of like on the right track, but never <laughs> quite on the money as far as like the action scenes are concerned. So if you like combine various elements of what happens in the movie, you sort of get our plots and vice versa. But yeah, it was very loosely, what we said is only very loosely, in a very loose way, can sort of be connected to the movie, if that makes sense. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that is happening in the wrong order yes. or things that are, you know, in this in this car chase scene, they're trying to chase down. I can't remember who they're chasing down. Oh, no, they're going to, they're driving to um, the hospital. child's yeah. birth. Yeah. But you thought it was chasing down a criminal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was wrong. Yeah. So, Captain Holt chews them out. Captain who, sorry? Captain Howard. Okay. It came across as Captain Holt. <laughs> From Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Just- Maybe I did say Captain Holt. Yeah, you must have. <laughs> so, when they come back, Captain Howard chews them out. The good old captain from the series. Yep. that we've seen before. He's been on heart medication, so he can't get too stressed, and this will be a gag. And I give you half a point for that because he does chew them out. Now, was was he on some kind of heart medication? I no, he did take sort of like, oh, what is it called? Uh, it's a pink drink that you drink for heart. Did they just redo what happened in the second movie? Pretty much. Yeah, he was drinking some sort of that pink drink that you drink for heartburn. I can't remember what it's right. called, but yeah, there was no specific heart medication that I noticed. He's trying to be zen. Yeah, that's right. After work, Marcus tells Mike that he's retiring and they're at a bar. Mike tries to call his bluff, but tomorrow is actually Marcus's last day. I give you one point for that because we see that in the trailer and I give you two points on top of that as well because, you know, Marcus is retiring the following day. doesn't play out completely well, as it does in this. Well, no, he's, he's threatening to retire when they're sitting at the bar, but what actually happens is they end up challenging each other to a race. So, if Marcus wins, he gets to retire, but if Mike wins, then Marcus isn't allowed to retire. <laughs> is that, is that the, <laughs> the aim of that race? Retire, yeah. Ever. Well, Mike sounds like he's never going to retire. Apparently. He wants to keep doing it for as long as possible. He wants to die, which I thought that was the message of the movie, but apparently... No. (laughs) He doesn't learn anything by the end of it. No. (laughs) Anyway, Marcus is uh, looking forward to retiring, but Michael feels abandoned. And he wants to prove consistently that he still has it. He doesn't want to show his age. I'll give you two points because that's a that's a theme in the Mike character. Yeah, I suppose Simply so. so. I'm being a little bit generous here. I was going to say, I think you've been a bit more generous than I have towards you. <laughs> you might want to start throwing some half points my way. <laughs> They're coming, believe me. Okay. So, you had this theory that Marcus was going to call Mike out on his relationship with his sister in the previous movie. Yep. 
no such thing happens. No, it does happen. It does happen in the movie. It doesn't really. Yep. So when they're driving along, going to sort of like an informant's house, Marcus is trying to say, oh, how out of 10, how angry was my wife out of 10? And then Mike says, oh, she might have been you out of 10 when I broke up with your sister. I didn't pick up on that. So that was definitely in the movie. Because originally I had like half a point there because Marcus is saying that you're an idiot with women, but did he actually have that dialogue? Absolutely. Well, there you go. You deserve another point. There we go. All right. So Marcus retires the following day. He uh, he gets a little closing ceremony. (laughs) What's that? Not quite accurate. He doesn't retire the next day. I think he retires sometime later. Well, this is in your plot. Yes, exactly. He retires the following day. Um, So he leaves. And the everyone's kind of sad to see him go, but they'll like laugh it off, saying it's about time he left. Yeah. Now, in your plot, you say that Mike is assigned to lead a young team of special forces that's called Ammo, consisting of names that do not appear in the movie. No. Mike, Harry, and Jeffrey. In the actual not- movie, their names are Dawn, Kelly, and Rafe. <laughs> and we couldn't work out what we couldn't work out what Ammo stood for. Did you pick up at all what Ammo stood for in the actual movie? No, I didn't. It I, was, they, they it stood for something they mentioned. It was Advanced Miami Metro Operations. Right. Okay. As simple as that. Well, there you go. We were close, I guess. Yeah, we sort of, but not really. I think we were like always moving mountains, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> always moving mountains. By the way, did you pick up the Outside. cheeky? Did you pick up the cheeky reference in the actual movie where uh, where Mike describes Ammo as High School Musical with guns? Yeah, <laughs> that was in the trailer as well. I'm surprised we didn't pick up on it in the previous episode. But Vanessa Hudgens is one of the main actors from High School Musical, and she's yeah. in Ammo. So that was a nice little reference. <laughs> that was good, yeah. So I know you're thinking you probably don't get any points for that, but I give you half a point because he does work with Ammo as yeah. an advisor. However, he's not the leader, and he was no. never assigned to be such. He kind of just pushed himself into this into this role. They they made him an advisor to shut him up and to keep him away from trouble. That's right, and they kind of lied in the trailer too, because in the trailer they made it sound like he was supposed to be leading Ammo. Oh, did they? So there's See, a scene in the trailer where Captain Howard says. Uh, I'm putting you on ammo, and then then we get the line. Oh, it's like high school musical with guns. But in the actual movie, no such line occurs. So back to ammo. The department is headed by Rita, who is a former girlfriend of Mike's, and the two are going to bicker with each other and have a mild flirtation. I'll mm-hmm. give you a point there because Rita is the leader of ammo. Yep, the actual legitimate leader of ammo. I guess you kind of saw her as like an overseer. Is that right? Yeah, I guess so. She wasn't really heavily involved with them, but she was like their commander. Mm. I'll give you two points. Is. Two points on their relationship. Their relationship confused me because she seemed like really flirtatious right at the start and then just went cold on him for the rest of the movie until the end. It was like, yeah, Yeah, it was strange. So from what I understand from the actual movie is they used to date briefly, but then Marcus sort of moved on to other women and she's still kind of like, sorry, not not Marcus. (laughs) He's married. Marcus moved on to his wife. Yeah. Well, okay. So she dated Mike very briefly and then Mike moved on to other women and then she sort of still had a thing for Mike. And that's why Marcus is like, you're an idiot for letting her go because she's a great woman. Mm. And then I guess they, it's kind of suggested that they get together at the end of the movie without actually ever saying it. She does say she's going to come around with some have wine. babies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she wants to have the, you know, Mike Jr. 
<laughs> so you said next, uh, Mike has nothing in common with the ammo team. They don't get his references. He doesn't get his. There's yeah. going to be a joke where they call him a boomer. Uh, yeah. oh, you could tell it was 2019 when we recorded that episode because, you know, <laughs> that, that whole OK Boomer thing has died so quickly in the last two years. <laughs> it has. I give you half a point because Mike does feel out of touch. Yeah, feels okay. like he's, uh, Especially when he tries to get in the club and his charms don't work anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, it's not as we described it. So, it's not as though he's really out of touch and they're really sort of making references he doesn't understand. My assessment was wrong. Yeah, they eventually sort of end up on the same wavelength in the real movie. Other than one guy, they all seem to like fangirl around him. Yeah, exactly. Which we should have predicted that because if Will Smith has creative control in any regards, he's going to make himself like a massive hero that everyone wants. That's very true. That's very true. (laughs) Should have seen that coming. Any faults? All right. So in your plot, we've sort of seen what's happening with Mike. Then we go to Marcus, who's enjoying his retirement. He's sitting around in a bathroom, heating up burritos, and just generally messing around. I give you a point for that because that is what's happening in this point in the movie. But his wife and his daughter are starting to get to him. They're becoming annoying. Marcus wants to get out of the house. Now, <laughs> What's funny is it's the other way around. It's the opposite in the actual movie because they want him to get out of the house because they find him annoying. <laughs> so I'll give you half a point for that. So it's around the other way. They get annoyed with Marcus hanging around, which makes me kind of sad because what happens when Marcus actually retires? <laughs> yeah. His wife's just going to be like, get out. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. That night from returning home from work. Mike is attacked by a master assassin who tries to blow up his Porsche. I give you two points. This happens earlier on, and it is what it his is Porsche gets blown guy. up in the movie. Uh, I don't recall it blowing up in the movie. No, but he, he doesn't have it for some reason for most of the movie. Did they just confiscate it after he got shot? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe it got like yeah, maybe it got taken, <laughs> impounded yeah. or something. Maybe something happened to it and it was on the cutting room floor. But yeah, they, yeah, he just had it at the start of the movie and then it was gone for the rest of the movie. So, you gave yeah. me two points for saying that the Porsche blew up. I guess it was blown up by editing, but it didn't uh, actually blow up yeah, in the movie. I give, I'm giving you two points because he was attacked by a masked assassin. Right, okay. Which happened early on in the movie. Okay, fair enough. That was that scene where they're shooting at him when just after they do the race in the actual movie. I wouldn't have given that two points because it's something we knew going into the movie and it's something we sort of see in the trailer, except we don't know that he's shot, but All in right. my well, plot, maybe, he wasn't even shot. Maybe you deserve one point for that. Maybe I'm being a little too generous. Yeah, I think you are. <laughs> Someone has to get something right in this, in this episode. Mm. After this traumatic ordeal, Mike decides to go to Marcus for help and the two decide they're going to try to investigate who this assassin is. They take Marcus's car out, Marcus's wife's car out Mm -hmm. to investigate. Two points. That kind of is what happens. But Yeah, but that was in the trailer. You can't give that two points. All right. Well, one point for that then. In this scene where they're driving along and they're going to interrogate some people, Marcus doesn't want to involve any of the police, but Marcus just insists that they're just asking questions. Right. And this is why Marcus reluctantly agrees. He's like, okay, well, if nothing bad's going to happen, if we're just asking questions, then, then I'll agree to that. The trail leads them to a Romanian Romanian thug who throws one of their informants off the balcony and into Marcus's car. Yeah. Marcus's wife's car. I'll give you a point. We see that in the trailer. It doesn't quite pan out that way, but someone does get thrown off the balcony. Well, here's the thing. We thought that Armando was a Romanian thug for some reason. Yes. He's not a Romanian thug in the actual movie. He's a Mexican thug. 
Yeah. So I don't know. I think it was the stupid Wikipedia page again telling us that he was a Romanian thug that really threw us off there. It but, must have because we we were so confident with that. They must have like addressed him as a Romanian thug. But if you really think about it, we didn't know this just watching the trailer. Armando is the one who throws the informant that they're going to from his apartment and it lands on Marcus's car. So in a way, I was kind of more right than you'd yeah. expect there. I guess in a way because what he gets sniper rifled, doesn't he? No, he gets thrown out of the apartment. Oh, he does too. By Armando. And then Mike runs into the apartment and you see him tackle Armando out the window and Armando's wearing a, like a bike helmet. That's right. That's right. And then there's a chase that ensues. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, you got it around the other way because you thought that Mike, like after the the heavy gets or the guy gets thrown or the informant gets thrown out. Yeah, I mixed Marcus, up I mixed up car, two scenes here. They burst into the burst into the apartment and they have a fight with the with the guy that's there and they they attempt to arrest him, but they there we go. But the but the Romanian bad guy shoots him with a sniper rifle. That's why I'm getting confused there. Yeah. Because that was in your plot. Yes. Not quite what happens. He did shoot a lot of people with sniper rifles in the actual movie. <laughs> he certainly did. He certainly did. So Mike realizes they need backup, so they decide to call in Ammo's team, and they convince them that they're going to do a little work off the books. Mm-hmm. The Ammo team kind of presents themselves as, uh, as they're kind of against it. They want to follow procedure because they're lame. So what happened in the actual movie? How many points did I get for that assessment? (laughs) You got two points for that. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. And this is where you thought the bad boy song scene would play where Ammo butchered the song. I give you a a point for that because that actually happened in the trailer. That was featured really prominently in the trailer, actually. Yes. They really liked that scene. Yeah. So in your plot, the investigation leads them to a uh, chomp shop that's run by the Romanian mafia, which is where the assassin is hanging out. The assassin is part of a mafia, as we discover. Mike Marcus, Romanian mafia, as we keep saying. <laughs> yes. The the our good guys get into a brutal gunfight with the Romanian mobsters, but they escape on motorbikes. Leads to a long chase where Mike and Marcus chase the mobsters along the Miami Beach. First on car and then on bike and on a sidecar. They're taking shots with a with a Gatlin gun, I believe, which actually does does happen yep. in the actual movie there. And you had this scene where Marcus had to drive with a dog. And I don't remember seeing that in the movie. Where'd you get that from? Uh, in the in the actual episode, I said that Marcus has to shoo a dog out of the sidecar. I wasn't saying that he was driving around in the sidecar <laughs> with a dog. I thought you said he had the dog there. Because, no, I did not uh, say he's that. Like afraid of dogs. No, I said that he has to shoo the dog out. I was just including something that was in the trailer. Gotcha. In any case, they they chase down the last remaining mobster. He gets into a helicopter. They shoot each other. And Mike manages to climb himself into the chopper, but the bad guys get away. Two points because that actually does happen. And Mike falls into the ocean or whatever river they're in. One of the world's largest rivers, the ocean. (laughs) So we go back and Captain Howard chews them out again. None of us predicted he was going to die by then. No, no. It was something that they really surprised us with. Crazy. So we're building to the climax of your plot here. Uh, Marcus and Mike work out who the assassin is. And they work out who he is and they work out that, and you were so close here, by the way, you work out that he was the brother of a Romanian mobster that Mike had killed in the line of duty in between the second movie and this movie here, which I give you half a point for because it's like so close, but not, not quite how it all pans out. No. And eventually in the actual movie, it turns out that it is, he's uh, Mike's son. Yeah, so Armando is the alleged son of a, a Mexican mobster, but it mm. turns out because the Mexican mobster's wife had a fling with Mike that Armando is actually Mike's son. Yeah, but all the way through the movie, we think it's a it's a vendetta 
of the wife whose husband has died and she sent his she sent her son to kill Mike. That's we right. think that's what's happening. But it turns out that it's actually a vendetta against Mike, a personal vendetta because Mike had a love affair with this woman. Yeah, that's right. Which is very close. Yeah. Well, I don't think we predicted it. No, we didn't predict it. So No, we did not. We weren't quite on the right track, but yeah. But yeah, the, the, in this bit here in your in this part in your plot you say that the mobster's wife reveals herself and reveals this is all part of her plan and she's using her husband's brother as an attack dog. In the actual movie, it's her son she's using as an as an attack dog, but I give you two points because that's kind of the relationship they have. Okay. So in your plot, you have made Mike and Marcus track the bad guys to this abandoned mansion. Right. Where this is where the final showdown is happening. Now in the actual movie, I think there is like a, a mansion where they go and they have their final gunfight. Yeah. I don't remember how they found them exactly. I, I think Ammo just did like- I can't either. Oh, they tracked them through their mobile phone. That's how they did it. They tracked Armando's mobile did phone. They? Ammo, yeah, they, they hacked Armando's mobile phone and, and pinned, mm. like, pinged his location to this abandoned mansion in Mexico or wherever it was. Yeah. It's been a few days since I watched it, but I, could, I remember they tracked it down and then they had this final, this final gunfight. Unlike in your plot, though, you said that it was going to be them that come in and then Ammo come in as backup later. They all kind of go in together. Yeah, that's right. In the actual movie, it's like Mike and, Mike and Marcus. Well, at least I actually said they were there. <laughs> True. True. Hey, here's something you got right, actually. You said that Marcus finally wears his glasses and is a more effective marksman. Yep, that was in the trailer. <laughs> you called that. Yeah, it is in the trailer, but I give you a point for that. Well, I, I can't feel good about it if I didn't come up with it myself. <laughs> Well, I didn't say it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I, I can feel good about it now, I suppose. <laughs> All right. Mike will have Amando at gunpoint, and then the widow will betray Amando, resulting in his death. So she shoots Amando, which does actually happen in the movie, but it's an accident in the movie. Yep, she tries go. to shoot Mike, but eventually Amando Amando just sort of walks in on the way of the bullet like an idiot. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? He yeah. just like wanders in. So, this guy that he was trying to kill the whole movie. So, Amanda was trying to kill Mike the whole movie. And then as soon as he finds out that he's dead, he's just like, oh, don't kill my daddy. <laughs> I'm just going to believe this guy now. Yes. <laughs> well, the, the mum does confirm it. She does say, yeah. yes, it's the truth. Mm. Now, this is something I was pretty impressed with because you have this you had this idea that the widow can't be killed by Michael Marcus. That's against the rules of Hollywood. Yep. So Rita will swoop in and kill the widow just about just before she's about to be killed yep. by Mike, which that's, is exactly what happens. Two points. Yeah. That, it happened because that's the rules of Hollywood. You've got to follow <laughs> those rules. So everyone's happy, including the captain. Two points. Everything's kind of resolved. Marcus goes back into retirement and Mike admits that he's getting old and he might consider retiring as well. And that kind of happens, I guess. Well, Marcus I, doesn't go back into retirement. He goes back into the force. I, was like, I thought well, he went back into retirement. He, no, oh, he, no, you're right. You're he right. He does he rejoin the force. Are you sure you watched this movie? <laughs> it was a while ago. I watched it a few days ago. It is so forgettable. Yeah, well. <laughs> it's so forgettable. Oh, well. There's and definitely case, certain elements that are slipping away from me even as, as we have this conversation. Mm, mm. Well, in any case, I guess the theme of they're going to consider retiring is is there. I mean, Mike holds a baby and is like thinking about settling down for the family life. So, there's something in there. But and in any case, Marcus's daughter marries Reggie. This is something mm -hmm. you got right as well. Yep. And Mike and Marcus get to apologize for being assholes to Reggie, who's yep. actually now 30 and actually a police officer. He's like some military guy, right? Yeah, he's, he's in the officer. army. He's in the army. He's not a police officer. Mm. But I was close. I was damn very, close. Very close. Very close. Also, did you, see the, did you see the Michael Bay cameo at their wedding? No. Was he in it? Yes. He was the guest speaker at their wedding. How could you <laughs> miss that? Maybe no just, way. 
maybe you didn't maybe you don't know what Michael Bay looks like, but yeah, he was the guest speaker at their wedding. I couldn't believe That's awesome. it. Um, so finally, Mike starts dating Rita again. Eventually, Mike indicates that he might want a family. And that was your plot. And was that accurate to the movie at all? Well, yeah, it was. That got You got two points for that. Okay. That's your assessment, I guess. <laughs> well, I don't know if he wants to settle down. I guess they sort of suggest it. Yeah. And again, like I said earlier, I don't know if they're actually going to start dating again. Uh, she says she's going to come around with a bottle of wine. I guess you could take that as they're going to start dating. But nothing's set in stone. That's kind of what the indication that the movie is giving us, I think. You know, But I guess you can take it. It's, it's open to interpretation. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. And with that, you got 51 points. 51 points. That is totally undeserved. You were way too generous. <laughs> I thought you got close. You were definitely being way too generous with that. Even listening back to it, I'm like, no, that wasn't right. That wasn't right at all. And stuff you were giving me two points for was in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, I can't accept that. Maybe you should just halve it. Maybe you should halve <laughs> you that. You want me to halve it? You yeah. want me to give you 30? Wait, how know, many man, points like, did you say I get? Uh, 51. 51. Well, half of 51 is not 30, so... Maybe if you gave me something in the 20s, I'd feel more comfortable. <laughs> I don't know, man. When I broke it down, you were getting a lot of the beats of the movie. Okay. I All right. Anyway. Okay. If you if you want to stick with that, that's fine. But just don't get upset when I'm not as generous. <laughs> Dude, I'm not expecting anything in my plot, to be honest. Well, let's find out how you did right now. So, you thought that the movie would start with a cold open where we see Romanian mobsters, not Mexican mobsters, but we didn't know any better. We didn't know. We'd see Romanian mobsters working with drugs and doing real bad guy stuff in a dark warehouse. I gave you a point and a half for that because the movie does open with Mike and Marcus driving to the hospital, but we do actually see the Mexican criminal Armando at one point getting a stash of drugs in a warehouse and killing some gang members just by slashing them all with a knife, I believe, in a couple of swift moves. Now, you thought as well that during this opening scene in the warehouse that one of the gang members is Marcus Undercover. Now, of course, that doesn't happen at all in the movie. You just took that straight from Bad Boys 2 because in that <laughs> opening scene, they had a, like a Ku Klux Klan rally where Marcus was one of the Ku Klux Klan members and he gets shot in the yeah. ass. They're, They're not going to paint homage. I like all throughout your plot, you literally just took the plot of Bad Boys 2 and just <laughs> changed it slightly. <laughs> they were never going to do that. I mean, it's a good template, but still, did you really want the movie to be Bad Boys 2 again? I think I think I just watched Bad Boys 2 very, very recently, yeah. so I think that was really fresh in my head. You and I watched it together, remember? Mm. I think we watched it the day before we did the episode. We did. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, you said that this scene in the warehouse with Mike Undercover would escalate into a huge car chase with explosions, one of many in your plot, involving Mike and Marcus and the mobsters. I gave you a point for that because there are a few car chases with explosions throughout the movie, and the film technically starts with a car chase with Mike and Marcus going to the hospital, so yeah, that's close enough to give you a point. Oh, thank you. And you said that Mike and Marcus crash their car and have a gunfight with the leader of the Romanian mob, whose name is Sven. Uh <laughs> And Mike kills Sven in cold blood. Now, I gave you half a point because they do crash their car a few times and they have plenty of gunfights, but there's no Romanian mobster called Sven and Mike doesn't kill him. I guess, you know, if Sven is the husband, you know, of the widow, maybe that's loose. I'm not sure if you ever established that in the movie. Let me just quickly look further down through your plot. Sven, Sven, Sven. Well, later on, you say that he is the brother of Armando. You don't say that he's the the husband of the woman that you don't mention at all in your plot, the witch woman from the actual movie. So, yeah, I don't think I can count that. So, yeah, sort of in the same way that my plot was only very loosely similar to the movie, basically what you're describing this opening scene as being isn't really at all 
how it happens in the movie. In fact, it doesn't happen at all in the movie. So it's kind of hard to give sort of points because you're like, oh, well, you could say that it happened in this scene. It could happen in that scene. But if you really <laughs> want to know if Matty D is accurate to the movie, he's not. He's not. And I wasn't either. So if you're watching the movie and listening to our plots at the same time, they do not sync up. So the only real way that we can judge them is to take bits and pieces and then sort of see if they were similar in any way. But no, this was definitely not one of our strongest efforts. Now, you said that one of the themes of the movie is that Marcus wants Mike to be less trigger happy. You want him to kill less people. No, that's not really the case. He doesn't really care. They don't really care at all. Nope. And that's their characters. Well, I guess I was kind of looking at that scene in the trailer where Marcus is trying to touch that person's heart, you know. Penetrate his heart with his words. Yeah. So, I think I I thought that was the direction they were going in, but apparently not. That was just there for a gag. Yeah. Yeah, it was. You said that Mike and Marcus meet in a bar after the gunfight and Marcus announces that he's retiring. I gave you two sets of one point because they meet in bars a lot. In almost every scene in the movie, they're like, let's meet in a bar. It sounds like us in real life. And Marcus (laughs) does tell Mike that he does plan to retire while they're in a bar at the start of the movie. So, I count that. You said that Mike doesn't take Marcus's prospect of retiring very seriously, but he accepts the fact anyway. So, talking out both sides of your mouth there. So, I gave you a point and a half because, yeah, (laughs) Mike doesn't believe that Marcus wants to retire. So, that's why they have their running race. But he does eventually accept after exploding at Marcus that he does eventually accept his retirement because he's like, it's done. Marcus is like, it's done. You can't do anything about it. I did it while you were in, I did it while you were in a coma. I did it while you were dead. Yeah. You said that the opening scene of the movie that we just heard about takes place 10 years before present day. So, even though you said it was a cold open, <laughs> I know that means that it's a flashback. <laughs> I don't think you understand what a cold open is. If it doesn't can take I- place in present day, it's a flashback. Can I, can, I, uh, can I let you peer behind the curtain a little bit about my sure. process here? Sure. Um, if you remember, I came in. And I wasn't really prepared for that uh, for oh, the, I remember. That particular episode. I remember. And so it was a lot of me before we sat to record writing notes down. Some of this is <laughs> made up as I'm going along. Right. Yeah, I could definitely so tell. I think I started as a cold open and then I changed my mind to make it a flashback because yeah. that makes more sense. Yeah. Well, it didn't help you because that doesn't happen <laughs> in the movie at all. There's no massive flashback. If anything, there's a time jump forward in time when Mike goes into a coma. Yeah. And they make it look like he died because they make they make Reggie and Marcus's daughter's wedding look like a funeral scene at the start of it. But then we see that yeah. Mike's there in a as wheelchair. If, as if any of us would have thought that Will Smith would have died that early. Imagine if they did that, though. Imagine if yeah. that character died early on. Like, be like, wow. Yeah. Might have been a better movie. They could have replaced him <laughs> with Reggie. <laughs> Reggie could have had his cup uppance. Yeah. You said that in present day, we'll have a lot of establishing shots of Miami. Of course we do. I give you a point for that. Now, interestingly enough, during your plot at this point, I call out the fact that we'll see the Miami sign shot from below with a plane flying over it. That does happen in the movie. I don't need any more (laughs) points. so don't feel (laughs) obligated to give me any more. Uh, Are you sure? I can bump it up a lot. uh, If you want, go on, bump it up to 52 or whatever I'm up to. (laughs) We'll leave it be. Good. You said that we'll have a montage of Marcus enjoying retirement. I gave you a point for that because, of course, it was in the trailer. And you said at the same time, we'll see Mike doing some cop stuff. Again, I gave you a point for that because it was in the trailer. You said he puts on his his Joker-esque suit and uh, gets a gun. He does all of that. You said that Mike is still a cool cop and is the greatest policeman in the world. I gave you a point for that because while I didn't say that in the movie, it's implied. He definitely is, like, flawless in every way. Yes, he definitely is super cop. You said that Mike, (laughs) this is interesting, that Mike pulls over some drug dealers by accident, leading to a big car chase. That doesn't happen at all. (laughs) 
And he said that <laughs> Captain Howard now in the future, this has been 10 years since our opening scene, Captain Howard now appears to be very calm and understanding, but he yells and swears again when Mike and Marcus reunite. Now, I gave you half a point for that assessment because he is a lot more calm and friendly in this movie, but he still has his fair share of yelling and swearing. Mm. Even during his uh, daughter's volleyball game, which was, or was it soccer game? I don't even, was it like- Whatever a, sport it was. It was like, uh, vol- like netball, maybe? I don't know. Possibly. Basketball. <laughs> I can't remember. It's going, it's slipping away from me. Alzheimer's <laughs> is setting in. But yeah, even during that game where it's inappropriate for him to be swearing, you're still swearing. But yeah, then he dies no, shortly afterwards. There's nothing new they did with him at all. I think, they just, I think they just made him more compassionate so we'd feel bad when he dies. Well, only right at that end where he gives this weird speech. speech. about a donkey or a horse. It's like a man's <laughs> riding down on a horse and he's like going off in a different direction. And the guy asks him, where are you going? I don't know. Ask the horse. Yeah, great. I'm really going to shed a tear now when he bites the bullet. <laughs> I tuned out through that whole speech and then he got shot and I was like, was, was I supposed to be listening to the horse story? Oh, you're supposed to be listening to everything. Everything's important in this movie. <laughs> Yeah. You said that Captain Howard tells Mike that he's going to go work with Ammo as an advisor. Very interesting there because that wasn't in the trailer. And Mike is apprehensive. So, you get two points for that. Because he is told in the movie exactly that thing. Because you said, oh, Captain Howard would say, don't worry, don't worry. You're not you're not working for Ammo. You're just going in strictly as an advisor. That exact thing happens in the movie. Well done. That might have been your best prediction in your whole <laughs> plot. Thank you. Thank you. I worked hard on it. Well, from the sounds of it, you probably just made it up on the spot. You said that the Ammo team are all millennials who make fun of Will Smith. I mean, Mark. I mean, Mike. And I gave you a point for that because only one of them, I believe that's Rafe, makes fun of Mike. Now, that character, Will Smith had a relationship with his mother? Or is that a gag? Or that was, was a that joke. Serious? That was a joke. So oh, I thought it was legitimate. Rafe calls him grandpa and Mike says, oh, just because I fucked your mom doesn't make me your grandpa. And that's where, and I have this running gag where he's just like, oh, I'll give my mum a call and let her know that you said hi. It right, didn't really work. I, it, it fell flat as it did right here on the podcast. I, I took that literally. I thought that was, I thought that had, because like, you, you thought he might have been like, he character. had two sons. Will Smith had two sons. He had Rafe <laughs> and Amando. Maybe everyone on the ammo team is his illegitimate children. <laughs> Maybe. It could work. Yeah. You said that Mike isn't out of touch like he was in my plot and the ammo team are just annoying. I didn't really give you any points for that because Mike seems to get along fine with most of ammo after a scene or two. If anything, Mike is the annoying one because they're just trying to do the right thing and he's just like, I'm going to go in guns blazing. Yeah, because he's the cool guy. Yeah. Speaking of, you said as well that the ammo team are more tactical while Mike just wants to go in places guns blazing. Two points. That's exactly right. But would you expect any less from Mike? (laughs) You said that Mike and Ammo do a recon, a recon, do a recon of a drug deal. Gave you half a point for that because they do a recon of a chop shop. That's fairly close. And you said that the recon goes bad when Mike is shot with a sniper rifle. Okay, so I gave you half a point because he is shot, but he's shot earlier in the movie with a machine gun while while doing a foot race. (laughs) Which sounds way, way less dramatic. Yes. You said that the reason that Mike got shot is because there's a leak in the police department. There isn't. Nope. And you said that Mike reunites with Marcus on a rooftop, a rooftop bar probably, and tries to convince him to work together again. And Marcus reluctantly agrees. I gave you a point because that's technically true and it does happen on a rooftop. It is in the trailer. Yes, that's right. You said that Mike and Marcus go to an informant's house who is a big thug of a guy. I gave you a point because the guy that they go and see who's a big heavy guy is actually an accountant for the baddies, I believe. Yeah, who would have thought that? Yeah, because something I'm learning about Miami drug dealers is they keep a lot of bookwork. They keep a lot of paperwork. 
What did you see? This guy is like the worst accountant in the world. Yes, he is. I'm not even joking, by the way. I'm watching a documentary series right now, and one of the reasons that these Miami drug dealers got arrested is because they kept immaculate paperwork for all their drug deals. (laughs) So, that's something that happened. So, the movie was accurate. Wow. You said that Marcus has mellowed out during retirement because he's been watching a lot of soap operas and Dr. Phil. I gave you a point and a half for that because I think they sort of explain that in the trailer. Well, at least they show that he's mellowed out. But I don't think he was being less violent because of watching uh, soap operas and Dr. Phil. Yeah, I think I was trying to add something to the Marcus character. Yeah, I think the real reason he wasn't being as violent in the movie is because he was legally not allowed to be as a civilian. So it's not like he can burst into places and shoot people. What wasn't his whole thing that because he saw Mike die and because he saw the birth of his that's son, right. he suddenly he's became now religious, changed his life. Yeah, that's right. He couldn't. He promised God that he wouldn't kill any more people. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, as well, during this point in your plot, I joked that Marcus would be watching a lot of telenovelas, <laughs> and that's exactly what happens in the movie. He becomes obsessed <laughs> with watching telenovelas, and there's even a scene where he's disappointed that he's missing out on an important <laughs> plot point in a telenovela. And at the end of the movie, when Mike is arguing with his witch wife, his witchy woman girlfriend, Marcus says, oh, this is exactly like a telenovela, because they're speaking <laughs> Spanish. So, I just yeah, thought that was interesting that. that I sort of joked about something that actually happened. Don't give me any more points. I don't need any more points. <laughs> you said that the informant ends up running away. This is the big thug of a guy. And this leads to yet another car chase. Look, I know Bad Boys 2 was nothing but car chases and explosions. But mercifully, they had way less car chases in this movie. They still had them, but they were nowhere near as long. If you remember how long they were in Bad Boys 2, we were so angry by about the fifth one in that movie. Because they go for about <laughs> that was a 30 tough minutes. Movie to get through. Yeah. Now, I gave you half a point for that because if you combine the three scenes together, this happens. So, an informant does run away. This does lead to a car chase, but this happens at separate points in the movie. You said that the... This is interesting. You said that at the end of the car chase, a random dead guy falls off a pier and lands on Marcus's car. (laughs) So, I gave you half a point because, yeah, a body does land on Marcus's car, but you said it was like a dead body that was killed during the chase. is hanging from a pier. (laughs) I don't know how he ended up there. He just... because he's got shot and he's, his body is lying against, like, the balcony and then all of a sudden- No, you said a pier. A pier. <laughs> like, he's over the water. And then Marcus decided <laughs> to drive his car underneath the pier and he falls down. <laughs> it didn't make yeah. any sense. <laughs> you know those beaches where those, uh, those piers are? Yeah. Like in LA where you keep seeming to think that this movie is set. Absolutely. When it's actually Miami. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. You said that Mike and Marcus find out that the bad guy is Armando, who is the brother of Sven, the mob boss. I gave you half a point because uh, Armando is the son of a Mexican mobster who Mike killed. So, yeah, sort of At least we were close with the fact that there there was going to be some relation to something that happened in the past. It's interesting that we both thought that he was a brother of somebody that Mike killed. Well, I guess none of us were going to expect him to be the son. No. Yeah, I, I guess not. I guess that would require more time passing, but I guess- Yeah, it was before Mike and Marcus were partners that he knocked up the witch woman. So, Mm. it wasn't like he did it in between movies. Yeah. But yeah, I guess we didn't know the timeline going into the plot. So, yeah, it's just not something we thought about. Now, by the way, by the way, this is something that really stood out to me. So, in the actual movie, Armando is going around at the behest of his mother, shooting people with sniper rifles who are involved with his alleged father's death. His alleged father's- arrest and take down and, and, like, collapse of his drug empire. Now, interestingly enough, that's the exact plot of a Miami Vice episode. There's a Miami oh, yeah. Vice episode where 
uh, I think a mobster or something goes to jail and then a whole bunch of people are, are being like a whole bunch of people involved with a case are being sniped down, including Crockett, who is one of the two police detectives on the show. And if we take Mike and Marcus, Mike is one of the targets of this whole sniper takedown as well. So it's almost identical to that plot. I couldn't believe it. There you go. You should have predicted it better. Yeah, I should have. Yeah, I didn't predict anything like that. Back to your plot. You said that Armando wants revenge for Mike killing his brother. I gave you half a point because Armando wants revenge for Mike killing his alleged father. You said as well that there are a few establishing shots of Armando wearing sunglasses. <laughs> Not really. He doesn't, he doesn't wear sunglasses at all. No, he doesn't. But I think you felt like a, a real villain isn't a villain unless he wears sunglasses. I couldn't be more wrong on that. Like it was Get Carter or something like that. <laughs> yes. You said that Mike and Marcus go undercover to a party at a fancy mansion, specifically not a dingy nightclub. I asked if it would be a dingy nightclub. You said, no, there's no party at a dingy nightclub in this movie. Matty D, you fool. Of all the times that you could have predicted that there would be a party in a, in a dingy nightclub, it would be in this movie because there was one. I know, I know. How disappointing. And I gave you half a point for that because Mike and Marcus do go undercover to a birthday party, but it's at a nightclub. Not a fancy mansion. They're not, you know, eating hors d'oeuvres and crackers. Well, we, we saw the mansion in the trailer. I guess I was trying to shoehorn yeah, that in. But it was clearly a dilapidated, destroyed mansion. So Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well, what? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Maybe that was the theme of the party. <laughs> it was apocalypse. Yeah. Dilapidated mansions. You said that their cover will be blown, leading to a shootout. I gave you half a point because that's technically true if you stitch the two scenes together. Mike and Marcus go into the nightclub birthday party undercover and they blow their own cover by going up to the, the guy that they're following and saying, we're going to arrest you. You're going to jail tonight, buddy. <laughs> and then when they go into the mansion, I think they're spotted pretty quickly because I think they just start shooting people. So, yeah, half a point there because technically true. You said that Mike goes to shoot Armando, but Marcus convinces Mike to show mercy. No, that doesn't happen at all. Mike just doesn't want to hurt Armando at all because he loves him as his son. I mean, that's that's kind of a theme, right? He does pull back. Yeah, but not at the behest of Marcus. Yeah, I guess so. You said that Marcus was working. Okay, this is where your plot really takes a 360 turn, and I think you completely stopped getting points at this point. I think I uh, it became more personal to me at this point. You came in with a little bit of venom because of a ruined childhood experience. (laughs) So you said that Marcus was working with Amano the whole time, but didn't realize that Amano was related to the Romanian mob boss Sven, who they killed at the start of the movie. No, that's not the case at all. No. That the reason that Marcus was working with Armando is because he wanted to injure Mike in the line of duty to convince him to retire. No, that's not the case. Yeah, exactly. And you said that Mike would be so angered by this revelation that he kills Armando and has a gunfight with his best buddy Marcus. No, that doesn't happen. And you said that Mike would shoot Marcus non-fatally and Marcus is left to plead for his life. Of course, that doesn't happen. That's ridiculous. And then you said that Mike commits suicide by shooting a gas canister that just happened to be there, blowing himself up. Dimension. Now, that is probably the dumbest prediction you've ever made on this show. I would have liked to see that in the movie. Yeah, it would have spiced things up, but no, that didn't happen in the movie. And your plot ends with Marcus being left to hug his family and cry at Mike's funeral. And of course, yeah. that doesn't happen. What, do you, what those two characters deserve. What? And for hey, at least for ruining your experience, for, for the fact that they took your idea of making a exactly. movie called Bad Boys probably yes. eight years before you even thought of the idea by looking at a child's shirt. And going, bad boys, that's a good idea. I want to make a movie of it. Oh, wait. Some losers already did it. Oh, dear. Yeah. I think you you need to come to peace. You need to say woosah and come to peace with your whole vendetta against bad boys. Or not. Whatever makes for better listening. 
So, if you add up all your points, you get a total of 23.5 points. Hey, you know what? That's better than I thought I'd get. Well, there you go. At least you're not angry. Honestly, I I thought I would get somewhere in the teens or less. I feel like I was being a bit more realistic with your scoring and less generous. So, So I'll I'll take it. There you go. So, I I like that. For a plot that ends with them killing each other, that's pretty good. Yeah, the interesting thing about your plot is you took maybe three elements from the trailer and then just made everything else up. So, maybe if you'd watched the trailer a bit more and tried to incorporate things from that, you might have been closer to the actual movie. <laughs> but that trailer was all over the place, though. Because you didn't even talk about the witch wife. You didn't even talk about the, no. the like, the bike chase, like, the motorcycle chase. No. Like, I found, so it, I found that really hard, though, because, like, that trailer, it, it's just all these different action scenes. And I yes. was just looking at it, I was like, I'm not going to be able to rope all this in. No. And make coherent sense of it. So, screw it. I'll just, like, do whatever I think is going to happen. To Which credit, usually turns me it turns out to be a better strategy for me. Yeah. To your credit, though, as we've discovered doing the show for a couple of years now, action movies are really, really hard to predict. Yes. Just because they're so kinetic and they go so many places. It's just, yeah, it's really hard to pin down. So, that's why we typically steer away from talking about action scenes, unless they're really important to the movie. Yeah. Because it seems like with your plot that you really tried to piece together every single scene in yes. the in the trailer. Yes, that's always my that key to been, success. <laughs> that must have been like a heartache to do. Oh, it was. Oh, it took way too long. Now I just don't even bother. I just sort of like will watch the trailer once or twice and absorb the information and just go like, what do I feel? What am I getting from this this information that's been presented to me? Yeah, and then there are times that stuff that happens in the trailer won't end up in the movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you got to take everything with a grain of salt these days because mm-hmm. they just lie a lot of the time yeah all right so we saw how abysmally we did compared to the actual movie but maddie d i want to know what are your thoughts on the third bad boys movie bad boys for life you saw it after all these years after putting it off for so long but yeah now what do you think yeah i watched it a few days ago and i was not looking forward to it and when i started watching it i was like oh dear but you know what not that bad i didn't mind it much no it was I didn't get bored like I did with the other movies, so yeah. I thought it was all right. That was the major crime of the second the movie, part. was that it was boring. It was like all this stuff was going on, but they somehow managed to make it boring. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? They made an action movie boring. I think Michael Bay not being, you know, at the helms of this really helped it. Yeah, exactly. That's something we did actually predict would happen when we did the original recording too. Because, you know, the funny thing is I watched this on, I think I watched this on Netflix and I sort of fired it up and I started playing the movie. And then when it started, I was like, oh, this is, this. I'm already hating this already. And then I was like, hang on a second. And I paused it and realized I started playing Bad Boys 2. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, what wrong one? And then I You must have been like, oh, I'm getting so much right. <laughs> and then I started watching Bad Boys 3. And you know what? I, yeah, I enjoyed it for the most part. Yeah, How did go. you find it? I want to know, first of all, would you actually recommend people watch this one? Uh, I. Yeah, uh, I like. I wouldn't go out of my okay. way to watch it. Right. <laughs> let's let's put it that way. I wouldn't say don't watch it. And if you're definitely a fan of Bad Boys, and if you're a fan of Will Smith, and if you're a fan of that type of movie, then yeah. If you're looking for like a brain dead action movie to watch, yeah. But I wouldn't go out of my way to sort this movie out. But enjoyed it nonetheless. Yeah. Well, there you go. So you asked what I thought of the movie. Now I've got to say, as much as like I didn't love this movie, I didn't when I went and saw it in the cinemas, I wasn't like jumping up and down with excitement. I wasn't walking out with a big smile on my face. But I do honestly think, and I think I said this at the end of the previous episode, I do honestly think that this is the best bad boys movie they've ever made. Yeah, I agree with you. 
So out of all three of them, this is definitely the most competently made movie. Sorry, Michael Bay. And this is easily the easiest one to watch. And this is easily the least offensive one and is easily the funniest Bad Boys movie. So if anyone was like, oh, I've never seen a Bad Boys movie, which one should I watch? I would say skip the first two, go straight to the third one. That's the only one that you're going to get enjoyment out of. Unless you're some kind of tool, then maybe you'll love those first two. They're less jerky in the third movie. They're way easier to enjoy on screen than they are in the other two movies. And you almost buy their friendship more. Yeah. Like, in the other two movies, I kind of didn't really feel like they were actually friends at all. No. But in this movie, you kind of you kind of root for their relationship. They just seemed to hate everybody, especially each other. Yes. And they were just so, like, full of themselves and just, yeah, and that was so toxic. Every second mm. they were on screen was toxic to the point where we hated them so much from Bad Boys 2 that you were willing to see them die in this movie <laughs> just from yeah, how they awful they it. were. But yeah, so I thought that the jokes in this movie were actually pretty funny for the most part, especially the part when uh, when Marcus accuses Mike of dyeing his beard because he's just like, I recognize that dye color. It's like brown cocoa, cocoa brown cocoa butter or whatever it was. And then Mike was like, I do not dye my beard. And then when, when Mike is in his coma, there's just a shot of Marcus like applying the dye to his beard. And I actually laughed out aloud the second time I saw that. The first time I saw it, I didn't really get it. But the second time, I was like, oh, I see. He's, he's dying his beard for his friend. Isn't that That's nice? That's kind of sweet. Yes. Yeah. And I did enjoy that joke. And yeah, as I said, it was the least offensive. And probably my favorite thing about watching this movie, especially in the cinema, was all the wonderful Miami scenery. Oh, yeah. It looked fantastic. Made me want to visit the city. Like I said, this is uh, probably the only Bad Boys movie I'd recommend, and it's the only one I've ever actually enjoyed on some level. I agree with you wholeheartedly. But it doesn't matter what we think. It matters what you think, dear listeners. So, tell us what you think of Bad Boys for Life. Have you seen it? Have you seen all three Bad Boys movies? What would your ranking be of all three Bad Boys movies? Let's just ask Matty D now. Matty D, how would you rank the Bad Boy trilogy from best to worst? Uh, Third one, first, and then, I don't know, maybe... Second, first, maybe. What? That didn't make any sense to me. So, three, two, one is what I'm going with. Three, two, I see you're you're torn between which is worse, the first or the second bad boys. That's right. No, for me, it's a lot more cut and dry. I reckon the third is the best one. The first one is the second best or the least worst. And the second one by far is the worst. So, bad boys two is way at the bottom for me. So, tell us what you think of this bad boys movie. Was it better or worse than the previous two movies? And yeah. Was there anything we missed in our assessment of the plots? Did we Should we get any more or less points than we got? <laughs> uh, if you're a fan of the Bad Boys movie, does, did this live up to your expectation yeah. of the franchise? Did you hate this one? Did you think this one was the worst? Please tell us why. Is there someone out there that's like it should have been more offensive? I really want to know. So, you can send any of your thoughts to our email address, potentialspoilerspod at gmail.com. That's all one word. Or you can leave us a comment on this episode's page on our Podbean site, or you can hunt us down on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We've got pages in all of those places. So before we wrap it up for another week, let's talk about what movie we're going to be predicting next week. That's right, we're going back to predicting the plot of an upcoming movie. And I think this is one that a lot of people are really excited about because next week we're going to try and see if we can work out what's going to happen in the upcoming Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Really? Wow. So this is a movie that's been a long time coming. Uh, I've, I know I've seen a couple of trailers for this one. It, it looks like it's going to be an interesting movie. By the way, did you know it's actually called Shang-Chi and not Shang-Chi? Oh, really? We've been saying Shang-Chi this whole time, and then we, I've actually been corrected. It's Shang-Chi. There you go. 
So, if you think you know what's going to happen in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, please write into those places I mentioned earlier and let us know. If you got any hot theories, if you got your finger on the MCU pulse. Yes. I do actually know somebody who worked on this movie, so maybe I can go to them for information. Well, there you go. You got it's not you, Matty D. <laughs> and until we return for that... Bad boys for life. Who in the hell want to sing that song? Good man, good man, what you gonna do? Now this is a story all about how Fast food got flipped, turned upside down And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there I'll tell you how to dish the fries and eat fresh everywhere 